basketball fans out there. Thank you for um, coming back, man, and, and, and joining us for um, what I like to consider to be a really awesome uh, podcast here on today. I know it's bright and early, but wipe the sleep out of your eyes, get up bright and early, brush your teeth, all that good stuff, because we got a really, really good show for you guys on today. Uh, you are watching Tate's Take, the podcast with me, Deshaun Tate, of course, uh, streaming live uh, on YouTube as well as on Facebook. Remember to share this information with a friend, family member, colleague, enemy, mama, grandmama, a little bit of everybody. Uh, and you know that you can go and subscribe. That's the word of the day. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I cannot stress it enough uh, to make sure that you guys do that. I like to call it the best, the most informational, the most educational podcast uh or basketball content in the form of a podcast on the planet and find it anywhere that you find your favorite podcast that being itunes google podcast spotify red circle stitcher the whole nine and uh really looking forward to a really awesome guest that we're gonna have that's gonna be stopping by a little bit later after we get started and through a little bit of some of these free agency acquisitions and things like that uh, Lloyd Pierce, the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, is going to be joining us um, and uh, going to pick his brain a little bit on some of the stuff that, you know, he may feel like the um, needs uh, in the areas that needs to be addressed the most, I guess, in free agency and the pickup of Danilo Gallinari as of yesterday and uh, even more so the draft picks that they picked up um uh, for the Atlanta Hawks. So we're going to get into a lot of that stuff. And until he joins us, I want to kind of update everybody uh, with what is going on in the world of the NBA right now in terms of free agency and uh, maybe get some of you guys opinions and things like that of what you've seen so far, who your favorite team is. What do you what do you want to see your favorite team do? How big of a splash that you would like to see them make uh, in free agency as a whole? And I want to start off right now, obviously, with Montrez Harrell. And this is just a little bit of an update. And I'm going to give a little bit of detailed information on my opinion on it, starting with Montrez Harrell, who just signed a two-year, $19 million deal from the Los Angeles Clippers, now a Los Angeles Lakers. So he obviously doesn't have very far to go. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, a workhorse, you know, a workhorse with that 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 big massive body kind of remind me with that body type of like a Bam Adebayo got that big mo that 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 nice motor like a Kenneth Fareed used to have when he was playing in the NBA uh sit reigning six man uh six man of the year award and so um you know maybe joining LeBron James I'm not sure if anybody will have as stout of a front court kind of like uh or or just you know on the guys that are on the roster uh, between Montrez Harrell and LeBron James and some of those other guys. Uh, Malik Beasley, which I'm just a tiny bit surprised by, landing that four-year, $60 million deal, re-signing with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, that part was just a tiny bit unexpected and really not sure the direction that they plan to go with him, considering the fact that they have Anthony Edwards. And you know what? I want to make sure that we give some credit. I was listening to a couple buddies of mine that had a podcast and they were really kind of talking about the job that Leonard Hamilton has done with his uh, recruiting at Florida State. And when you start talking about guys like Jonathan Isaac and Dwayne Bacon and 
Um, obviously, you know, Malik Beasley, this upcoming year, Scotty Barnes is going to be a freshman expected to be a lottery pick, maybe in the top five. And, um, we just seen Devin Vassell and Patrick Williams be taken in the, in the top 11 slots of the NBA draft. I mean, you got to give credit to a guy like, uh, like Leonard Hamilton, not just for the coach that he is. And obviously being somewhat of a player's coach, you always get those long and athletic uh, players that come in there in Tallahassee, but yet still, even then, um, you know, just really being uh, the coach that have kind of exceeded the expectations, done everything but get to a final four. Malik Beasley obviously fit in the bill with uh, along with some of those players that I just previously mentioned. Trey Burke gets a three-year, $10 million deal, re-signing with the Dallas Mavericks. And I think that he had um, a, a great season uh, to, be tra- uh, to be Trey Burke uh, in Dallas, um, considering how much he's kind of bounced around the league a little bit. Uh, but he still came on really strong with Dallas and gave them a solid point guard option and contribution, especially in the bubble and trying to help as much as possible, take some pressure off of uh, Luka Doncic. So I think that that was definitely really big and really huge for them to be able to keep him around for, you know, somewhere around, you know, three three point three million a year, if you will. Uh, Dwight Howard. Wow, that's been a hot name in free agency so far. Uh, Dwight Howard getting the the vet the veteran minimum one year, just coming off of a world championship, the Los Angeles Lakers. And let me say this first, because I don't want to get too much into Dwight Howard and some of the tweets that he put out and things like that before he was acquired. But I, what I do want to say enough. Um, enough to say is that nobody was happier for a player uh, on that Los Angeles Lakers roster that received a world championship than I was with Dwight Howard, a stand-up guy. uh, 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 I mean, just a real class act, never shied away or turned away people when it came to autographs. I had the opportunity to kind of get to know him a little bit, uh, which I'm not going to say I was the biggest fan of Dwight Howard, to be honest, uh, at one point in time. But, um, I really got to learn him, you know, in in, in that space uh, and pick his brain a little bit. And and some of the things that I learned were really things that, you know, tells you or teaches you not to judge a book by its cover. Um, And so having those opportunities and the way that he embraced me as a reporter, uh, that 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 gave a little bit more emphasis on how happy I was about him winning a world championship. So now he goes from the Los Angeles Lakers to the Philadelphia 76ers. They're trying to add some pieces. uh, And that's not a bad piece to have considering his energy at his age. uh, Coming off the bench, I would imagine, behind Joe Embiid. So Christian Wood uh, receiving... uh, 41 for three, 41 million three-year contract with the Houston Rockets. Now, that was one of the bigger names in free agency that I know that a lot of people were really looking forward to seeing what his future was going to look like and where his future was going to be, uh, whether that be remaining in the Motor City or uh, if that be with a new home. Uh, And now he's with a new home. But I, I tell you what, he is arguably or in some cases inarguably 
uh, one of the most improved players in the NBA. That's for sure. Joe Harris, who I know I heard his name kind of floating around in a couple of different places, specifically here in Atlanta, getting a four year, $75 million deal, resigning with the Brooklyn Nets, who are looking to be uh, a dominant force in the East, uh, especially if they get James Harden. Don't ask me how in the world that's going to work. Uh, but just to be able to see uh, Joe Harris not only pick up that deal, but seeing that he's going to be playing alongside Kyrie Irving and, uh, and Kevin Durant, I can only imagine where this thing is going. They won't have any issues getting uh, putting the ball in the basket this year, that's for sure. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how a lot of that is going to work out. We'll see how that James Harden deal works out uh, because Houston, Houston, we got a problem. You know, I don't know, <laughs> uh, you know, just seeing how uh, what's going to happen with Russell Westbrook and the urgency that the front office has now that Daryl Morey is no longer uh, in H-Town, what the what the importance is in terms of keeping some of those guys between Harden and Westbrook on the same team. Um, so as it seems, I guess we have Harden who played with Westbrook and Durant in OKC. Then now uh, playing with one of them in Russell Westbrook in Houston, maybe now moving on with the other counterpart uh, to be Kevin Durant. So uh, good for, uh, Joe Harris to be able to sign that deal for him. Um, who else do we have? Oh, Danilo Gallinari. We're going to get into that here in just a second when we bring on head coach Lloyd Pierce, who should be joining us here within the next few minutes. Josh Jackson, now a Piston. Jalil Okafor, now a Piston. One guy coming from Memphis, the other one, I believe, New Orleans. Uh, and the Pistons has been extremely, extremely active. Uh, not only in the draft, but also in free agency, picking up some guys. I like to think that they uh, had were in position to um, get some really quality players. Isaiah Stewart, you know, out of uh, the University of Washington and came out of high school as one of the top players ranked in the country. Uh, then you got... Uh, um, um, Sadiq Bay out of Villanova, who I think really is a Swiss army knife uh, can is really balanced on both sides of the ball. And then of course there's Killian Hayes with that nice six, five frame guard. I know a lot of uh, people compare him to a, um, to a Tony Parker. Uh, and, and I think that there are definitely some comparisons that you can make between those players and Josh Jackson. I'm not saying this is going to be his last stop. I'm not sure if he can afford it not to be, but uh, for a guy who, you know, got drafted uh, by the Phoenix Suns really early, I think number four in the draft or somewhere right around that range a few years ago and bounced around a little bit between the G League and uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, now finding a new home with his old home where he comes from uh, in the Motor City in Detroit. So uh, those are just a couple of guys. Oh, De'Aaron Fox. How could I possibly even go about forgetting that? De'Aaron Fox guard for the Sacramento Kings. Five-year, $163 million. That within itself is, that's a hefty amount. Uh, not necessarily is in a position where I think that he uh, is as healthy as consistently as I would like to see him sometimes. But nonetheless, um, getting that nice amount of money 
for himself to be able to come back and sign a big big time contract and of course right there in his clause is 196 million dollars super max potentially uh so he resigns with the kings and uh i'm 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 excited to see what his future looks like you know i know there's been a lot of comparisons especially from a speed standpoint to a player like john wall which i'm i'm happy to to see what that future looks like. I am, I really am uh, a, a little undersized in terms of a little thin, uh, but nonetheless, he is a player that I believe can really make some noise at the next level and the expectations of him doing so are very high. And that's gonna be a really tough team in terms of Sacramento Kings to uh, be able to challenge uh in the west hopefully keeping their fingers crossed of course because they've got you know we know they've got Mar marvin bagley and i'm not really sure what's going to happen with bogdan uh bogdanovich uh just from the simple fact that he was a part of that big trade um that also uh, milwaukee received from sacramento and then there's some things going on with him not being in milwaukee i don't think it's a matter of him not wanting to go uh, while there's still some underlying issues there and it's keeping it from being all but a done deal at this point. So we'll find out exactly where he lands. Uh, but then you got Buddy Heald there in the backcourt as well. The pieces that you picked up uh, between uh, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Jamias Ramsey, who I really, really believe. And those were just two guys alone that not only I thought went a little further down in the draft, but uh, to my liking, but yet still were players that um, I thought really could be steals in the draft. And of course, we're going to get into some of that draft stuff too here in a second. Jordan Clarkson, who I believe was a, a very key contributing piece to Utah Jazz in, in, in going up 3-1 on Denver early in the playoffs. He ends up re-signing with Utah four-year, $52 million contract, uh, so good for him. Again, we talked about the, the Detroit Pistons being really, really high uh, on some of uh, their players that they were acquiring as well. Mason Plumley obviously got in on some of that as well, now being named the Detroit Piston. And without further ado, I want to make sure that I can bring my guy in here because it's been a little while, but I'm really, really happy to have him back uh, in the green room with us now. And as I get ready to bring him in, the head coach for the Atlanta Hawks. And I think it's only right if I do this first, coach, if I can kind of put my draft hat on and get myself acclimated and get myself together. Head coach for the Atlanta Hawks, check him out on Twitter, Twitter at Lloyd Pierce LP. Coach, how are you this morning? Sean, what's happening? How are you? Man, I'm outstanding. Thank you so much for asking. I want to start off with this first, and thank you for joining me. Um, uh, there was something organized with uh, with with you and being a pillar, a pillar and a staple here in this city of Atlanta, and I'm really happy to be able to see this. Uh, organizing the Coaches for Justice movement. How exactly did that come about, and are there any particular people that you kind of saw from afar growing up that made you kind of feel like, you know what, because of them, this kind of put some interest for me. Um, first, I think 
the reason why it came about was just kind of everything that we're seeing going on in our society and our country during a, uh, a really adverse time with the pandemic. Um, I think just the frustrations have mounted in the um, areas of concern have been exaggerated even more in terms of racism and inequality. Um, and so I, I just thought as coaches, it was a great opportunity for us to really find our voice. Um, you know, we, we had NBA teams in 30 different cities and we're responsible for the growth and development maturity on and off the court of um, 450 players in our league, of which 80, 70 to 80 percent are African-American. So it's really an opportunity for us as coaches to band together and find our voices and figure out what we can do to address some of the areas of concern uh, because with our platforms, especially together with the players, with the owners, with the league, with our platform, we have an opportunity to really impact communities, really uh, change the narrative of what we think is just and what is right. And that's really the purpose behind it. Who can we work with in the in our 30 cities, local organizations, grassroots organizations uh, that are addressing some of these concerns and how can we amplify their messaging? You know what? And I want to say, and I'm sure you've heard this a lot, but I want to give you a personal thank you for stepping in and, and stepping into that place, because that means a lot to me. And some of the stances that you have taken since you've been the head coach here in Atlanta uh, has had a significant amount of effect of, of 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 my life, you know, and things that I've actually decided to do when it comes to being a part of different things in this community. So I definitely do commend you on that. Um, for another guy that's right beside you now on the coaching staff, Nate McMillan, uh, we you add him to your coaching staff. How exactly did that come about in terms of, um, you know, the things that you really believe that you saw in him that could really help you in making this decision and helping coach this team? Well, that's an easy decision for me. Uh, the guy has 15, 16 years of head coaching experience with three different teams. He's a former player for 12 years. Um, so when Indiana decided to let him go, uh, you know, he and I had been in communication. They gave him a, about a month. He said he needed some time to figure out what his next move was going to be. And, and uh, after about a month or so, I reached back out to see if he had any interest in, in uh, getting on board. Um, and, you know, at first he didn't. He, he was really contemplating sitting out the season. And uh, my wife and I and my daughter were able to get out to Carolina and have a little mini getaway. And uh, we met up with he and his wife and had dinner. Uh, and then they were able to come down to Atlanta and do the same thing, have a mini getaway. And, and we were able to have dinner and really kind of discuss, you know, my vision, my thoughts and, you know, his role of how he could he could uh, contribute to what we're doing and also just kind of regain his edge and his competitive edge and his fire for coaching in a different role. And so I'm glad it worked out. Um, you know, that opportunity was presented when, when G. Foss was was given an opportunity to be the lead assistant out in Indiana with the Pacers and so happy for G Foss as well. Um, but um, really excited to have someone with that type of experience on the staff and, um, you know, gives me a, a different voice, a different set of eyes. And uh, and it also shows the seriousness in which we're, we're headed with our team, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, to add that wealth of experience. We're trying to do the same thing in free agency. And, you know, we'll know in a couple more days when things start to finalize who we end up with. And uh, But I think our guys get the message loud and clear. From one uh, from one 
leadership role in Lloyd Pierce to another one in Nate McMillan. Now there's Vince Carter who won't be joining this team uh, for next year or for the upcoming season, rather uh, a veteran leadership kind of taking on that role. What have you saw or who have you saw under the impression of that kind of and not expecting that they're going to be Vince Carter, but just a couple guys that you've seen kind of take that steps that you say, you know what? I can see him in the same mode of being someone that the other guys can kind of account on, uh, account for on this roster that can kind of look up to him in, in, in those same ways. Well, I don't think it's really, I mean, you can't replace Vince Carter and think someone's going to fill that role in terms of his experience and credibility and leadership. Uh, all of our guys are still under five years of experience in the league. So, you know, it's apples and oranges in that sense of comparison. It's really up to our guys to have developed leadership and um, that's ongoing whether it's leading by example or um, really just kind of vocal communication with one another. Um, so I think that's really kind of the big area of concern is how long will it take them and what can they do in the interim? Uh, you know, the best thing our players can do right now is lead by example and find their voice uh, amongst each other. This is a team that added, uh, as of last night, Danilo Gallinari, what going for not only what does he bring to the table uh for you guys or what you felt like you needed to we well, haven't address. signed anyone yet oh okay so we'll <laughs> we'll leave that one there uh is there a particular and i'm not saying a particular player but in terms of addressing your needs in free agency what areas uh on the floor or position wise do you really feel like this team in order to get to the next level uh that you need to kind of put in place yeah, you know, it's we've got five or six spots, I think, to fill in free agency. And so it's kind of everything. Um, you know, you, you like to add some depth um, and some production at that depth. Uh, you like to add some experience. We think we have a really tremendous young core of players that are going to play significant minutes. Uh, but can we add to that with veteran experience as well? Um, mm -hmm. Can we add to that leadership and character? Can we add to that competition, a very competitive group? So that's really the focus, uh, but we'll be able to do it at a variety of spots, having five or six. I think it's five positions still to fill mm -hmm. in the agency. Are, is there any kind of uh, maybe not necessarily pressure that you're putting on the guys, but kind of putting emphasis on uh, on 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 playoffs a little bit for the, for the upcoming season. I mean, I know that that's everybody's goal. Obviously only you have to go to the playoffs in order <laughs> yeah, to win. I, it. If, if that's pressure, I don't know why we're doing it. Uh, okay. It kind of comes with the territory of sport. The objective is to win. Um, and so that, that doesn't change regardless. Uh, if it all of a sudden feels like pressure, then uh, we got different issues to worry about. Now the, expectations that you have for some of your second year players. I want to get into that a little bit, obviously Bruno Fernando, but more so from uh, Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. What kind of conversations have you had with them or what is just your general um, expectations for guys who are going off of a rookie? Is it kind of like we're taking the training wheels off now of you guys? What is your expectations for those two guys coming in this year? Yeah, I mean, you you know with our guy, there, there's never been any training wheels on. You know, I, I think for the most part, it's the opposite. You come in as a rookie and you play 28 minutes, you play 30 minutes a game. Um, you know, that those are those are higher expectations than normal. And so mm. it's really produce and produce at a more efficient and a higher level. 
and and that's really it. Uh, what that looks like, I, I, I'm not too concerned, but it's it's produce and produce at a higher and more efficient level. My last question for you, Coach, and I don't want to keep you too long. I thank you for joining us. When it comes to the rookies, Skylar Mays, uh, who was picked number 50 in the second round, and then Anika Okongwu, um, I'm not sure how much you can really speak upon that, but what are some of the things that you saw between those two guys that made them a really good fit in, uh, for this team? Yeah, just, I mean, high, high character, um, extremely talented at their positions, um, extremely knowledgeable at their positions. Uh, we think they'll be, they'll be good NBA players down the line and uh, really excited to have them here. Thank you so much, Coach. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today, man. We finally got this thing done, man, so I really appreciate it. You got it. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Head coach of the Atlanta Hawks and Lloyd Pierce joining us. Remember to give him a follow at Lloyd Pierce LP at Lloyd Pierce LP. And, you know, just kind of picking his brain a little bit, you know, and, um, you know, kind of getting into some of uh, the things that this team needs and some of his expectations for the next crop of guys. And we all know we've all heard the rumors about you know, some of the guys that uh, are maybe expected to be a part of this team down the road. And I'm kind of curious from some of you guys to uh, let me know what are some of the things that you want to see. I do appreciate Keith Curtis for coming in and jumping in. Good buddy of mine, even though he's a Wolverine, said, do you think Detroit Detroit keeps all those bigs? I'm going to get to that here in a second. I appreciate Keith Curtis for checking in with us on Facebook. But uh, in terms of the Atlanta Hawks and some of the uh, things that they needed to address, obviously defense, and I think they did that with Anika Okongwu, a guy who uh, I really believe is very active. Uh, all across the board. It's not about just scoring for him. It's not about just defense for him, but he is a balanced big. And I really wasn't sure how that was going to work out with the other bigs that are on the roster, like John Collins, who's obviously in position for a big payday coming up really soon. Um, also, Bruno Fernando, who's only in his second year, and although the expectations may not be that high, he's a second-year player on the young team, and there's things that he has uh got to do and got to get done um then you have you know clint capella who we haven't seen in a hawks uniform uh, outside of standing you know in the mirror wearing it you know we haven't seen him on the floor to see what that looks like but between capella and john collins and when one of them isn't on the floor anika okongu who's going to i believe push some of the more veteran players or the older players on this team because he is a dominant workhorse you know he will put forth the effort and affect the game in different ways uh and just trey young getting to you know whenever he's not out there from from suburban atlanta shooting three-pointers uh just being able to penetrate to the basket and throwing some of those lobs he's got wings that can catch those and 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 put the ball in the basket as well he's got the shooters you've got your cam reddish who is i'm not going to say a defensive specialist per se but certainly is one of the guys that um uh brings the contribution uh from a defensive standpoint and now that you get around that learning curve from the beginning of the season all the way up through mid-season. After that all-star break, he starts really showing flashes of the player that he could be shooting the basketball strong as well, going to the basket, and just looking like his game is a little bit more confident overall. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, who I like to think was just 
pretty solid throughout the entire season. Maybe didn't blow you away. Maybe didn't uh, things on the stat sheet didn't necessarily wasn't eye popping out at you, but uh, definitely contributed in his own way. Games when he had 20 points or 15, 17, 18 points, and it was kind of unexpected and it seemed really quiet because that is kind of his demeanor. Uh, but nonetheless, for a rookie, there was things that you really saw do well, uh, him do very, very well. Uh, and then, you know, of course, you have Kevin Herter, who is arguably or inarguably the best pure jump shooter on this team from what we saw over the course of three years, uh, whose name is not Trey Young. So uh, I think it's going to be more and more interesting from a defensive standpoint. I want to really see uh, exactly how things transpire. I've seen so many names being linked to uh, to the Atlanta Hawks. Over the course of the last few weeks, I've heard the Gordon Haywards. I've heard the Marcus Smarts. I've heard the Rajon Rondos. Uh, I've, I've heard so much, you know, and I'm really excited to see what the future will look like for this team, who I really do believe, uh, and Lloyd Pierce kind of agreeing with me in a roundabout way, uh, that playoffs is the thing. Like, that's something that we have to do. That's something that we really feel like we have to put into place uh, for the city of Atlanta. And I definitely agree with that. My dude Emerson coming in and checking in with us, man. So how do you think that the Hawks will do this year? I think that the Hawks will be a playoff team. I'm not really ready to uh, whip out my Sharpie marker per se and automatically insert them into uh automatically insert them into the playoffs with a seven spot, six spot, eight spot, anything like that. Uh, but I think as long as they don't have situations as to where, uh, you know, John Collins situation happened or, or keeping from injuries, you know, that type of thing, if they're able to stay healthy, but they are adding the depth just in case they get caught in situations like those. And I think that that certainly helps a whole lot. So that's just kind of where I see them. Um, but I think that they're right there on the cusp. I don't think it's a done deal, but I think that they are right there on the cusp and they will be playing uh, uh, inside out and being able to accomplish that goal of making the playoffs, especially in the Eastern Conference this year. I really feel like it's something that they have to do. And another uh, question that Emerson had, and appreciate him for coming in and contributing to the show. You see him down there on the uh, 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 Facebook where we also stream live. What seed do you think the Hawks will get? Uh, realistically, you know what? I'm I'm gonna say a seven C from where they stand right now. I think that, you know what? Let me take that back. I'm gonna go eight C, and here's why. I give the Hawks this year an eight seed because of the fact that I really need to see what they will. The, the, the pieces that they have right now, of course, Danilo Gallinari is not signed yet. Um, but considering the fact that he's all but an Atlanta Hawk already, uh, I, I, I do want to say that it really kind of depends on what this team looks like from, you know, after free agency, uh, they have exactly what, 30 day, 30, 30, what's today? Yeah, about 30, 31 days, somewhere right up in that range before the season starts. And it's a quick, super quick turnaround um, in order to uh, make something like that happen before the season starts. And so they've got to get on the ball. It's got to be quick. And I think that they'll uh, have some defense 
uh, a little bit more. They'll need to kind of build on that. But they were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the NBA last year. And I know that might be kind of hard to believe when you see some of the things that Trey Young was able to do. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the percentages was down. And so I really believe that adding a guy like Danilo Gallinari is helping that. And that just kind of goes back to one of Emerson's questions about uh, how I think that he'll do with the Hawks. I definitely think that he will do well with the Hawks uh, just because of the system that they're building it around. And I don't think he's a poor defensive player. I just don't think he's a great defensive player. And that's okay because when you start looking around the landscape of the NBA right now, who can you really name outside of maybe five guys I'm not even sure you can name 10 guys just right off the back as to who the most elite perimeter defenders are in the NBA. Yes, you're going to have your Marcus Smarts and you're going to have your Patrick Beverly's. And, you know, you can name a few of those guys, I guess, maybe Avery Bradley. I mean, there's a few of them. You want to give those guys some credit. But after you get past a certain point where you name probably about six, seven, eight guys, it's really going to be kind of tough to name your eight, nines and tens. And it starts getting a little bit sketchy. And that just goes to show that this is not 90s basketball anymore. It's really I'm kind of under the impression that it has a little bit more feel of, you know, Pac-12 or Big 12 football to it, where it's really about outscoring opponents. Uh, And um, obviously that's what win games. But what wins the championships is the defense. I like to think if you've been around basketball long enough, uh, then you will know. Uh, that you've heard that probably more than enough times. Our last one here on the night, uh, new 7-10 to 10 playoff format gives everyone a chance at this point, and that is correct coming from Keith, uh, where the 9 in the 10 spot actually has an opportunity to be considered playoff. Now, I don't know if, if 9 and 10 is considered a wild card, kind of like how they do in football, uh, but not, they won't call it that, obviously, uh, but being considered a playoff team and being able to see their way in or play into that spot, similar to how we saw it last year in the bubble where you had Memphis Grizzlies and um, I think who else was in that spot? I think uh, the New Orleans Pelicans was right in that range as well. Uh, the Portland Trail Blazers was, you know, obviously in that kind conversation playing their way in so i think that that's something that kind of helped them and so i appreciate even if this is just a little little podcast little segment you never know who you're going to get here on the podcast with us man so that's why i always tell people whether it's bright and early or super late at night make sure that you find a way to get be a part of this podcast because you never know who we're going to bring on as a guest i like to call it the best the most informational educational uh and entertaining basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast so if you haven't done so so yet make sure that you go and subscribe 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 i can't say it enough uh to the uh tate's take podcast you can find it anywhere and everywhere that you find your favorite podcast itunes google podcast spotify red circle stitcher we stream live on on, on, on YouTube. We stream live on Facebook as well. We got people that even love the podcast and I love your podcast, bro. So you know what? I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just really happy that people, uh, enjoy, you know, the podcast and you're very welcome. Emerson, man, you can be like Emerson too, and be a part of this podcast and get shown some love on the pod. Uh, and, 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 and we're always grateful and overly thankful and appreciative of that. My dude, Keith Curtis coming on saying the thing is fire. Keep going, keep sharing it with the people, man. Tell your mama, tell your grandmama, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your colleagues, tell your enemies, 
for crying out loud. Tell everybody about Take to Take the podcast. It's your favorite podcast, basketball podcast. I tell people all the time, if it's 94 feet long, 50 feet wide, 22 feet and one and one quarter inches out on the perimeter for college or 23 feet, one and three quarter inches out on the perimeter for the NBA, then you know we're going to talk that basketball right here, man, if that rim is 10 feet tall. So I appreciate everybody for uh, checking in with us on today, man, and be sure to share this out uh, with your friends. we got some really good content. Thank you so much to head coach Lloyd Pierce from the Atlanta Hawks, who did not have to do this, uh, but definitely made time during a really, really busy season of the NBA free agency tipping off to kind of join us, come in, give us a chance to ask some questions, pick his brain a little bit about Nate McMillan, some of the things between uh, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the coaching for justice movements um, and just a little bit of everything, what we can expect out of, you know, the team this year, what we can expect out of second year players, what he saw in the rookies and things like that. So I'm really happy for uh, him to be able to do that and uh, make sure you go and subscribe. And lastly, make sure you give a follow on social media. That's Instagram, same as Twitter at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S, T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S, hashtag where basketball lives. We're going to be coming back talking about some Pistons. I told you I would do that, uh, Keith Curtis, man. I got my dude uh, that's going to, James Edwards, that's going to be coming on from the Athletic probably within the next day or two after we kind of get acclimated and things start settling in to talk about the Pistons and some of the moves that they've made and so forth. So appreciate everybody for checking out, and I'll be seeing you guys within the next few hours, in a minute until the next episode. Peace.